Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey, everybody, and thanks for listening to the American Tennis Podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network, LA's number one sports podcast network. Happy to have you along with me today. I am your host, Justin Thompson, here to break down all things American tennis for you. Just finished watching that Taylor Fritz final in Atlanta against Alex Dimonar. Two just talented young players. Taylor Fritz, 21, going to be 22 in October, and Dimonar, the young Aussie, 20 years old. What a great match that was. Taylor not with his best stuff today. We'll get into that a little bit later. Taylor, unfortunately, did lose in the final, but I was happy I got a chance to sit down and watch one of his matches start to finish because it's been a while since I've been able to do that, and this is a guy that I remember around the same age growing up playing the Southern California Junior Circuit with, saw his name around a lot, you know, met his dad, so... He's an interesting one, one that I always like to keep an eye on just because, like I said, playing all the same tournaments, you know, friends playing against him and lots of great funny stories from then. So always interesting to just keep an eye on him and we'll definitely break down some of that match later in the podcast. But for starters, I want to get into the Hall of Fame Open. This was actually last week. It was in Newport, Rhode Island, grass tournament. Um, It was interesting, you know, it was in the U.S., so you would expect a lot of Americans showing in the main draw, uh, plenty more trying to make it through the qualifiers into the main draw. And it was kind of a mixed bag. Tennis Sangren, American player, won his first round matchup. Tim Smichek lost his Zverev in the first round. That's a tough matchup. Dennis Kudla, scrappy young American. <laughs> he never goes out without a fight, does he? He beat Bradley Klon, fellow countryman, the number eight seed, six four seven six. Credit to Kudla. He's been having a good year. Someone who's not been having a great year, and this comes as a little bit of a surprise to me, especially on grass, is Steve Johnson. He was the number five seed. He actually won this tournament in Rhode Island last year, so a lot of expectations for him coming into the tournament. He actually lost his first round matchup to a fellow American, Christopher Eubanks. Now, it was about as close to the match as you can get, 7-6, 7-6, both sets. Uh, first set tiebreaker was 11-9, the second one was 7-5, so I mean... I'm not joking when I tell you you really can't have a match much closer than that. But yeah, I mean, Christopher Eubanks had 15 aces to Steve Johnson's only one. And just in general, over the course of the year, I feel like this is not how Steve was hoping this year would unfold for him. He did make the third round at Wimbledon, which was great. But aside from that, it's it's been kind of tough for Steve this year. Obviously, he had such a bright career at USC, a bright collegiate career. So there's obviously been a lot of hopes and expectations placed on him. And He's lived up for it to the lived up to it for the most part, but a little bit of a struggle this year. So we'll hope that this next crucial, really really important five week stretch of the U.S. Open series that's coming up. These are the hardcore tournaments that lead up to the U.S. Open, obviously being played in early September. So this was Atlanta that we saw today was the final that we'll talk about in a bit. The City Open in Washington D.C. starts tomorrow. After that, we have Rogers Cup in Canada, and then the Western and Southern Open Cincinnati. And finally, the Winston-Salem Open in North Carolina. After that, it's U.S. Open time. So this is a really crucial stretch, five weeks for the Americans to really dial in, find their hardcore game, and ultimately, hopefully, lead up to a great U.S. Open. But back to Newport for now. After Steve Johnson lost, defending champion was knocked out. After that, it was really all about John Isner, our number one American. He was the number one seed in the tournament. He just served his way through to the final, really. He had 25 aces in his third round match, 24 in his quarterfinal match and just on grass that serve forget about it it's really tough to beat him so he won in the finals seven six six three great to see john regain his form playing really well on grass you know he had the foot injury and he had struggled a bit but 
seems to say it appears that he's you know finally fully healthy again won that tournament has that confidence and starting off the summer right so we're happy to see that from john uh good tournament from him always nice to see an american win a tournament when it is here in the states that newport rhode island tournament so let's get into atlanta now this tournament was interesting as well a lot of americans trying to qualify ryan harrison the young american who he's been playing some world team tennis as well watched him play tommy paul in the San Diego Aviators match, and Tommy Paul actually beat him, which is another name from you know when I was playing the juniors, and I think he won. I'm gonna have to check on this later, but I'm pretty sure he won Kalamazoo the year that I was out there, which Kalamazoo is the big um, junior tournament in the U.S., probably the biggest U.S. junior tournament. Actually, the winner of that gets a wild card into the main draw of the U.S. Open. So huge match. I'm pretty sure that was Tommy Paul. Uh, I will check on that. But yeah, so anyways, he beat Ryan Harrison in World Team Tennis. Donald Young, another name we talked about a couple podcasts ago, he lost in the last round of the qualies. Tommy Paul did win in the qualies. He beat, oh wow, he beat a guy, Michael Mamo, who is another familiar name, American player who's been trying to break through for a while now. So Paul qualified, a lot of American names in the tournament, which was good to see. Bradley Klon won his first round matchup. Kudla lost his first round matchup, unfortunately, so he was out of it. King beat Grigor Dimitrov, and this was really the surprise of the tournament. Kevin King, no one was expecting that to happen, really. Dimitrov was a player who's had so much success, and then to see him lose that match, 7-5-6-4, was a little surprising. He struggled a bit, too. I know that he is playing the Los Cabos Open, and that starts tomorrow, I believe. He'll be playing... Steve Johnson in the first round of that. So two players that have been struggling. Really uh, really interested to see how that one turns out. We talked about Steve's struggles. Dimitrov's been in the same boat. So that's going to be a big match for both of them to just kind of try to turn around their season while also having a match against their both established players on tour. So a win there can give a confidence boost. To be definitely be keeping an eye on who wins that one. Looking at the rest of Atlanta, Jack Sock. Uh, he lost in the first round again. 7-6, 7-6, heartbreaker. Tiafo, this was a bit of a surprise to me, especially on grass. Francis Tiafo, the young American who's been playing so well, he was the five seed. He actually lost to the Australian Bernard Tomic, 7-6 in the third set. A little unfortunate, but great match there. Um, Tomic, you just you never really know what you're getting with him. Obviously, the young, fiery Australian. It's <laughs> He's a bit of a wild card in that regard, as is Kyrgios and some of those other young Australians, Kokonakis, all those guys. But so that we did have a lot of Americans in the main draw. Unfortunately, most of them lost early in the tournament. Riley Opelka did really well. He was one of the young Americans with his serve on grass. Forget about it. I mean, it's incredible. He actually, in the round of 16, knocked out John Isner, the number one seed in Atlanta. He beat him 7-6 in the third. That was, talk about a serving battle. Riley Opelka had 31 aces. John Isner had 33 aces. I mean, just incredible match. And like I said, Opelka, the youngster, pulled it out 7-6 in the third. Kind of funny seeing that because, you know, Opelka's obviously compared to Isner a lot because Opelka's tall, as is Isner. They both have those massive serves. So kind of funny to just see that match unfold. And then after that, it was really all Taylor Fritz. Taylor Fritz beat Kevin King in the round of 16, 6-2, 6-3. Pretty routine match. He won his next max in the quarters. Uh, Riley Opelka also with a big win over Daniel Evans, the British player in the quarterfinals, 7-6, 7-5. And it could have been an All-American final because Taylor Fritz and Opelka were both in the semis. Taylor held up his end, winning 6-3 in the third over Cameron Nori. But Opelka came up just short, losing 6-3 in the third set to Alex Dimonar, the young Australian who ended up winning the tournament. Opelka had 28 aces in that match and still, unfortunately, fell just short. But that brings us to the final today in Atlanta, which is what I really wanted to spend most of the time talking about. 
Before I get into that, I will note the Bryan brothers are playing right now. They are down an early break in the first set. They are in that doubles final of Atlanta, taking on uh, Austin Krejcik, and who is an, also another American, and Dominic Inglot. So that match is going on right now. Um, probably won't be over by the end of the podcast, obviously, but one to keep an eye on if you're uh, if you're a doubles fan. Obviously, the Bryan brothers are the gold standard for us in terms of doubles, American doubles. So, anyways, getting back to that Taylor Fritz matchup today, it was six three seven six. What I saw a lot of is, it was interesting. Fritz, obviously, Fritz is so talented. He has that huge serve. You, you know, when he when he connects with that forehand, he hits it so big, and it's great. I just, I mean, I think that the he was up over twenty unforced errors for the match, which is just so uncharacteristic of him. I mean, it was a long week, so you think maybe he's fatigued, a little hangover from Wimbledon, and all of that. Um, but just not not the showing that Taylor was hoping to have. Anytime he was pulled wide on that forehand, just I saw so many miss hits where he was just not just missing it, but missing it badly. A couple points, especially in that second set tiebreaker, he played a great point and had an easy open court backhand and missed it. Demonar started off that tiebreaker with a double fault, so Taylor really had a chance to capitalize on that and try to force the final to a third set, and then he lost his next two points on serve. So disappointing match from Taylor, honestly, all in all. I, this is really a match that I would expect Taylor to beat Demonar, and it was interesting listening in the post-match, you know, the trophy uh, trophy presentations. Demonar said as much. She said, you know, Taylor great match. I think we're going to be playing for a long time. And honestly, I don't know how many of these I'll be able to say I came out on essentially I came out on top because this really was a match I expected Fritz to win. I really did think he was going to get the final. Um, obviously, the crowd in Atlanta, you could feel them really pulling for him and wanting him to win it. So it was a little bit of a little bit of a bummer for sure. Um, just unforced airs, not Fritz's best performance, really. I mean, that's a match I really would expect him to win nine times out of ten, not to take anything away from Demonar. He's a great player as well. Give him a lot of credit. Taylor Fritz, on he only served 67% on his first serve. Same as Demonar, so not terrible. But the difference was the second set. When you come down to the second serve points, Fritz only won 33% of his points on the second serve compared to Demonar's 89% of his uh, points on second serves. And that was really a big thing that jumped out at me watching the match was just Demonar was just jumping all over Taylor Fritz's second serve, ripping second serve returns. And then Fritz, by contrast, either just not putting them in play or not doing enough with it when he was getting second serve returns. And that's such a crucial thing at that level, at any level, really, when you can get your opponent to miss that first serve, you get a second serve that you can look to attack or at least get in the point. It's just so crucial that you do that. So... Uh, a little little tough, a little disappointing there from Taylor today, but you know he's been playing a lot of tennis. He's really been grinding, playing a lot of tournaments, so I'm sure there is a little bit of a fatigue factor there, especially after a long week, and then you know the final is obviously hot out there in Atlanta. So it happens sometimes. Obviously, he'd like to have that back, but uncharacteristically sloppy match of Taylor. You're not going to see much of that, but this is the first tournament back on the hard courts. You know, There's a little bit of an adjustment period after you've been playing on clay and grass all year, so... Anyways, congrats to Taylor for making the finals. That was great to see. It was really pulling for him, felt for him there. You could tell that he really wanted to bring home the title for the Atlanta fans because we've had so many American winners there. But I'm sure he will bring it home eventually. It was funny listening to the tournament director talk in the post-game trophy presentation, and he said, Taylor was a guy that two years ago we had to give him a wild card into the tournament because we really believed in him. 
for those who don't know, so if you don't go through the qualifying rounds for a main draw, or if your ranking isn't high enough to get into the main draw, tournaments can give wild cards, which is basically just free entries to players that they believe in. Oftentimes, if it's an American tournament, they'll give those to American players, obviously, because they have a vested interest in seeing those players in the tournament. So it was just crazy to me to hear that, that just two years ago, Taylor Fritz had to get a wild card into the tournament, and now after his performance today, he'll probably be top 30 in the world. So what a climb for him. What a great story. It's like I said, it's just been crazy growing up with him, playing the same tournaments. Like I, I remember speaking to his dad and it's it's crazy. So really good to see him doing so well. It's awesome. Would love to see him keep building up a strong summer and do well in the U.S. Open. And then so the City Open, I mentioned that. That's the next one in the U.S. Open series, the road leading up to the U.S. Open should be some good matches in that one tomorrow. We have Dennis Kudla taking on Tommy Paul. That'll be a great match. I mean, that one's at 11 a.m. tomorrow. So if you're listening to this podcast today before before the match tomorrow, I would strongly encourage watching that one because there's a, that's going to be a great match. Two Americans going at it. Some other good matches. Songa's in the tournament. He'll be playing for Tangelo, an American who qualified is playing Ivo Karlovic. That should be good to see. Karlovic, the big serving um Croatian, I believe. Not 100% sure. I think he's Croatian. Um, but that's a match for Tangelo could win. Karlovic is older now, obviously. Serve isn't what it once was. So it would be good to see if he could pull off that upset. Who else do we have? We have Riley Op- Oh, this is interesting. We have Riley Opelka and Christopher Eubanks. Eubanks, the guy who beat Steve Johnson in that last tournament. And then Opelka, the young American with the huge serve. And um, that's going to be another one to keep an eye on. Tough first-round matchup. Really is some tough ones in there. Um, saw Coco Goff, our, our girl from Wimbledon, who did so well. She qualified pretty easily, won her last round of the qualifying round, 6-1, 6-2. So she will also be in the main draw. That's super exciting to see that story continue. Not sure who she'll play yet. I don't think she's been slotted into the draw quite yet. But that'll be a really fun one to watch. And on the Oh, I'm sorry, she does. She plays uh, Zarina Diaz, first round. Not really familiar with her, so you not ranked, not seated. So a player that you would think that Coco might have a good chance at pulling off another upset and keeping that magic going. On the women's side, we'll go through really quick. There are actually quite a few Americans in it. Christina McHale's in the tournament, a uh, younger American. We have Jennifer Brady and Sophia Kennan, who's the three seed. And she's been billed as a young American to really keep an eye on throughout the tournament. So that'll be interesting. Uh, Lauren Davis taking on Eugenie Bouchard. That'll be a great one to watch. Uh, Katerina Siniakova and Jessica Pigula first round. So lots of Americans in these tournaments. That's what I love about this UFS Open series as we get into this. like You see so many American players because we're back here in America on the hard courts. A lot of the players that aren't necessarily high enough get wild cards. And then the players that are ranked high enough, they're obviously playing these because they're here in the States, friends, family, where they grew up, on hard court. This is their time to thrive. Madison Keys is the two seed. Sloane Stevens is the one seed. What a final that would be if we got to that. Oh, keep your fingers crossed, guys. I would love to see a Madison Keys Sloane Stevens final here at the City Open in D.C. So I'm just really excited for it. This is going to be a great five weeks leading up to the U.S. Open. So many great tournaments coming up, like I told you about. It's going to be some great tennis. The world team tennis season is another thing that's going to be coming to an end soon, but it is cool seeing these players go back and forth between playing all of these high stakes, high level events, and then also knowing that, as I said in the last podcast with the world team tennis, if you were in any one of those cities, San Diego, Orange County, Springfield, New York, they have these matches going on where it's just a fun element and you can see these people 
literally right as they've come back from a tournament like Atlanta or a tournament from, you know, Wimbledon even. And now they're right here in your backyard in the U.S. playing like lighthearted matches. And there's been so many cool stories to come from that. I think on the next podcast, I'm going to have to try uh, to bring on a guy from the Orange County Breakers who works very high up there under the general manager of the team to get his thoughts on the season. But that season runs through August 3rd, so there's another week of matches for World Team Tennis. Just wanted to get another plug in there for them because I just think it is such a fun, cool way to watch tennis. But some really exciting stuff coming up, guys. The next five weeks, next month and a half is going to be some really fun stuff. Gear up. Keep that tennis channel on 24-7. They have matches going on all the time, stories going on, lots of good stuff to watch. Thank you guys so much for listening to the podcast today. I'll be watching tennis. I hope you guys are doing the same, and we'll break it all down for you again on the next American Tennis Podcast. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.